0: Good morning, everybody. It is great to be with you. If you can start the clock real quick here on that countdown, uh, I'm one of the pastors here, and we're in the middle of a series on Philippians, on the letter uh, to the Philippian church. If you hadn't had a chance to um, go and listen and experience the other messages, I encourage you, if you can, to go back and listen to those. It's a it's an incredible letter. It is the most personal letter. The Apostle Paul loved the Philippian church. He had been a part of founding it. He had great affection in his heart. He wasn't about to let anything come between them and the incredible things that God had for them. And so we've been encouraged over the last several weeks just just taking in the riches that that God wants to encourage us with. And uh, Pastor Dan, uh, Pastor Janelle, Pastor Rob have been sharing. I encourage you, go back and share that. So today we're gonna tackle... Um, Philippians chapter 4, verses 1 through 9. So we're kind of on the last chapter. We're getting close to the end of, of this particular series, but I'm super excited to share with you. I think this particular passage um, has three r- keys to standing when the waves just don't quit. I don't know, have anybody ever felt like this last year, year and a half, like the waves just keep coming? <laughs> I mean, between a major global pandemic. You know, uh, uh, there's been there's been health, there's been fear, there's been political tension and division. There's been, ra- well, there's been racial disparity and injustice and, and for, you know, centuries and all that. But I mean, then it's there's also just more tension along with that and all of that. Dude, there's, right? I mean, it's just a crazy, crazy day and age that we live in. And if you're like me, you're like, uh, how can I stand? <laughs> it's, it feels like, forget about running, forget about like, just let me stand in the midst of, of these waves coming at me. I believe that God's word speaks right to that. And so I wanna jump in. I'm super excited also this morning because I have not one, but two pairs of readers up here. So when you get old and you just have two pairs of readers, that's like having three extra rolls of toilet paper when you go into you know a guest restroom at someone's house and you're just like... It's going to be a good day. So all I say, I believe God's going to speak to us. (laughs) But we're going to jump in. Um, And so I want to start uh, just reading. And I'm not going to read the entire passage, all nine verses together. I'm going to just kind of break it apart and and just pull out some stuff, if that's okay. So just take verse 1 real quick here. How to stand firm when the waves keep coming. It says this. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, you whom I love and long for. Listen to that affection. Listen to that, that heart. You, whom I love and long for, my joy and crown. Then he says this stand firm in the Lord in this way, dear friends. So we hear obviously his affection, his love, his friendship with them, but he does say that, right? Stand firm. God has a plan for you to stand no matter what is coming against you. And he says this a little hint there stand firm in the Lord. Right. That's probably the first thing that we need to look at is, hey, how do we stand firm when the ways keep coming? Okay, the first secret is right there, and it's obvious in our face. Let's not skip over it. In the Lord. God is our strength. God is our strong tower. God is our fortress. God is our security. But he says this, stand firm in the Lord in this way. And so I believe perhaps that's a clue that, hey, he's about to give us, well, maybe we look back at what he's already shared in scripture, and then maybe he's about to give us as well some, some secrets and some tips on how to do that, how to stand firm. Let's look at the first one. Now, um, some of you might know I was the choir nerd in high school, I admit it. I was that guy, music, band, all of that. I don't know, anybody else? Maybe, maybe not. Okay, you don't have to, I know, we don't have to admit it, but, and so I decided a way to help remember these three secrets that are each found in one of the paragraphs that follow is by assigning a song title to it. So if I were to assign a song title to the first paragraph here, uh, I'm, I'm going to read it first, and it's verses two and three, and then we're going to talk about what it is. So it, it, he goes right into these words, I plead with you, And I plead with Syntyche to be of the same mind in the Lord. Yes, and I ask you, my true companion, help these women since they have contended at my side in the cause of the gospel, along with Clement and the rest of my co-workers whose names are in the book of life. Now, I'm going to talk about it in a minute, but if I could assign a a song title, it would be stand by me, oh, stand by me just as long, come on, you know it, as you stand, stand by me, will he give it to us, <laughs> darling, darling, stand, okay, we got it, so, okay, stand by me, what are you guys doing singing secular songs in church, shame on you all, okay, I miss, I see how I did that, I tricked you, it was a trick, you were supposed to say, no, Pastor DJ, we will never sing, no, I'm just kidding, <laughs> stand by me, it's a great song, it's a great truth, and I think here's what's happening. What I see, and what I believe God wants us to see in this first paragraph, which is super kind of weird how he goes right after these two ladies, I think what we see is family. I think what we see right here is family. And what do I mean by that? The Apostle Paul is writing to them, hey, stand firm in the Lord, I love you, my dear, dear friends, those who my, my crown, my joy. And then he goes, hey, and by the way, um, I plead with uh, Elena uh, and uh, with Claudia to, guys, hug it out. Agree with each other in the Lord. Like, let's stop this. Come on, ladies. She has the better salsa recipe. I know. It's a, we all know it. But you do other things well, Claudia. I mean, right? I mean, there's this kind of tension in the room with these two ladies. Incidentally, separate topic. If you wonder if God can use ladies in ministry. Woo, okay, we're not. Okay, another topic for another day. But hey, there's a little little thing and a little nugget maybe to study out. So there's these two ladies who have contended with him in the gospel. But he kind of brings out what everybody knows. There's tension in the room. There's an elephant in the room. There's disagreement. There's, there's not unity. And what does the Apostle Paul do? He goes right after it. Now, can you imagine being in a church where uh, the church founder, right, who founded the church and is part of a movement. Oh, he wrote us a letter. Let's gather together. We're going to read it publicly. And you're like, sweet, yes. And I'm going to sit right in the front. So I have a really good, and I'm going to take notes, and I'm really going to pay attention. And all of a sudden, it's like three-quarters of the way through the letter. Boom, your name is called out, right? Peter, agree with Keith in the Lord. <laughs> you're like slithering down into your seat. I'm sure there's another Syntyche, because that's such a popular name. First of all, their lives were already burdened. I mean, think about it. Syntyche, Euodia, you know what I'm saying? Like, they already had a hard life. Think about going to kindergarten with that name. So their life was already hard. Here, Paul is just adding. (laughs) But here's, I don't know many churches that we would go to that we would feel comfortable if the pastor Or someone writing a letter from a place of authority from a place of influence directly called us out can you imagine being them what would you do I know what most of us might do I can't believe what they called me out publicly I'm out of here Google churches (laughs) non-denominational but that's what we see and here's why why do we see that I believe it's because they were a family I don't know about your family but in our family Hey, we'll stand strong against any foreign, you know, whatever. Anybody messes with one of us, they're messing with all of us. But that also means there's another side to that, if you know what I'm saying, of the internal workings. Of so, we were at Christmas time. We have four children now; they're all married. Two of them actually got married last year, and so we're all together. It's so fun. Get ready to do uh, crab legs and prime rib. Pastor Dan <laughs> set me up. Pastor Dan is such a servant, no joke, he met me at Safeway, walked me back to the meat counter and the seafood counter, talked to the lady, got her to give me free seasoning, just totally, no joke, he helped walk me through the recipe, all that stuff. Anyway, so, so we've never done this before. We have all four of our kids there, their, their spouses all day. We're so excited, and boom, something breaks out between two of them, it, and we weren't even there. We were shopping for something, food or something, and all of a sudden, we get phone calls, and it's like, oh my gosh, it's nuclear at our house and the neighbors are calling you know the authorities no but I mean it was it was a deal I'm not joking it was a thing a a definite not happy thing and they were and some of them were like well we're not going to stay for Christmas Eve dinner I mean it's like well no 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 the crab legs are already thawing (laughs) can we pick a different day to have major dissension can we schedule this but here's the thing we had to get back there and and we had to go down in the basement with both of them and kind of like Work it out and calm him down, and now let him speak. And then I'm not going to say the genders because that might give. Because we only have three boys and a girl, two of them who shall remain nameless. And we worked it. And guess what? God worked in the middle of that, and they were able to understand each other. They were able to forgive each other. We were able to have our crab legs and prime rib. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. But here's the thing. That's how it is in family, isn't it? It's not like strong towards the world and everything's perfect under the surface. It's like, hey, we stand together. But we're also willing to kind of deal with the stuff, right? And we have to speak truth to each other and and work it out and be vulnerable and share our feelings. I believe that Paul's saying that, hey, ladies, I'm not doing you a favor if I don't just say what needs to happen so that we can get through this and move on to the good things that God has for us. I want to ask you this question. Are you part of a family spiritually in the kingdom of God? Because a lot of church oftentimes has become We walk into a building, we worship, we praise, we receive teaching, we feel excited and motivated and inspired, but man, nobody needs to know what's going on in my life. Nobody needs to know what's going on in my world, and nobody better call me out on that stuff, right? And I think God is challenging us. That's one of the reasons we have house church. Maybe you're like, oh man, I tried it. (laughs) It was terrible. Yeah, house church can be awkward. We shut down in fact, next weekend is house church weekend. We're shutting down these doors. We will not be here on Saturday. We will not be here on Sunday. Public service announcement. Don't come next weekend here at 10. But we do have house churches that meet in 13 or 14 homes throughout the area. And it's uncomfortable. I don't know. I mean, some of them are like, I told somebody recently, I'm like, a third of them are like, yes, this is my best life. All these people are my best friends. A third of them are like, okay, this is interesting. Hmm. And then a third of them are like, ah, get me away from these people. They're so weird. I'm the only normal person in my house church. Okay, wherever in the spectrum you find yourself. If you haven't tried it, I want to challenge you to after having said that. Try. <laughs> Rewind. They're all wonderful. Super fun. No, but here's why we do that. Why would we shut down the doors one weekend a month and give 25% of whatever this time is to putting people in living rooms, sharing a meal together, studying God's word together, Praying together, whatever, playing. And it's awkward and it's difficult for us because we're not all alike and we have stuff and it rubs the wrong way sometimes. But I believe God's saying, guys, I'm not, gonna, I'm not gonna lower the bar for what I have for you. I want you to be a part of my family. I want you to be in relationships where you can help each other get over stuff and encourage each other. Sometimes speak truth to each other if there's something holding someone back. But, but in love, and I believe that as we learn to stand by each other, stand by me, stand by me, be a part of family, God will set you free and use it to help you to the next level. So here's the thing. The second one is this, found in uh, verses 4 through 7, and he, uh, the, this is what he continues to write. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Okay, so I think he gives another secret here. And if I had to pick a song for this one, it might go something like this. Lean on me. When you're not strong, I'll be friend. Help the you carry on. It won't be long till I'm going to need somebody to lean on. Come on. Yeah, give yourselves a hand. You guys are good. Thank you, those online who are singing along from your living room. We hear you spiritually. Lean on me. Why that title? Okay, here's uh, what, what I believe the Lord showed us as we were as a teaching team starting to dig into some of the, the words. We're not scholars and all that, but hey, thank God for BibleHub.com. You can find the Greek and the Hebrew and all that stuff and kind of dig some of the meanings of these words. And when you go into rejoice, it's interesting. If you've been a part of churchy culture, like I was growing up, you may have heard something like this. When God says something once, you better pay attention. But when God repeats it, ta. When God says rejoice, uh, I'll say it again. Uh, You better pay attention. Okay, that's probably true. When God repeats something in his word, okay, stop, rewind, listen to it again. This is important, right? But here's the thing. When I hear rejoice in the Lord, right, it can feel, depending on where I find myself and what I'm going through, um, maybe let me phrase it as a question. Has it ever felt to you a little bit like, well, that must be nice for you to say, looking at me and being like, hey, rejoice in the Lord always, Adam. I say it again, rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, <laughs> The most obnoxious song ever. Here, but here's why. Because I think sometimes it's like we can't cheer ourselves up, right? Like, have you ever been in a place where you're like, if somebody comes and tells me to rejoice in the Lord, I will rejoice on their face. <laughs> right? Then I'll feel better. But I think it's often true, like, we can't just make ourselves feel differently. We can't just magically, boom, pixie dust, oh, I'm feeling joy, I'm rejoicing. And the cool part of it is that when we begin to dig out this word, this word rejoice, check this out. I I pray this sets you free like it has me. It actually means leaning towards God's grace. Leaning... Right? lean on me, leaning towards God's grace, delighting in God's grace and favor, experiencing and being glad for his grace and favor. Now, I might not always be able to feel happy and joyful and sing a song when I'm going through a trial, but here's something I can do, right? Here's something I can do. God's saying, hey, you might feel down, you might feel the pain of what you're going through. You might feel the discouraged. You might feel overwhelmed. But there's never a moment when I can't say, in the midst of this, you, you love me. You have favor for me. Lord, you, you look at me with grace and mercy, right? I can, I can do that. I might not have a big hallelujah you know, on my lips or, or whatever, but I can remember that God is for me. And that's what, the, that's what this word rejoice means, lean into God's favor. And it's probably more important in the hardest times, right? I mean, it's great to praise God. You know, the word says it. Man, are you, are you happy? Sing songs of joy. Are you sad? Pray. Of course, it's great to rejoice and praise the Lord when things are going well. We should. But here I believe it's telling us no matter what, maybe even in the most difficult of times, that's the time to remember. Because guess what? I don't know in your life, but in my life, that's the time where the enemy is screaming in my ear, look at what you're going through. God doesn't love you. You've blown it. You've sinned. You've angered him. He's turned his back on you. Look at your wayward son or daughter. Look at you losing your job. Look at you not, make it, right? not making the cut on this or that or your relationship with your spouse or your whatever it might be. And right then is when I'm, what I'm hearing is either God's not for me or I'm too far away and whatever. And those are the times that I believe God is saying, dude, I want you to to remember I'm for you. Lean into my favor. Lean into my grace. When you can't stand on your own and you need a little crutch to lean on, let that be my favor and my grace. And you might not be singing rejoice in the Lord always, but we're going to get through this together because your eyes are gonna be open. We watched a, um, a church uh, leader training conference, a simulcast, last Wednesday. And you know they have Francis Chan, Craig Groeschel, all these other, John Mark Comer, a bunch of uh, sort of well-established and incredibly fruitful and, and faithful leaders uh, from, from around the, the, the nation. And, uh, you know, it's just this impartation, right? I mean, I'm drinking from a fire hose and just, oh, my gosh, oh, wow, that's so good. Oh, yeah, that's so good, too. Wait, that's even better, you know, and it was great. But then what happens? The very next day, I wake up and I'm like, what kind of a joke am I? What kind of a leader, that's, I'm not a leader, that's a leader. The way that pastor from Chula Vista has the personal reproduction plan for each of his staff, and they meet twice a year, and they evaluate, and they measure, how many volunteers do you want this year? And they, man, he's got his stuff together. The way John Mark Comer just flawlessly talks about resting in the Lord, and Shabbat, and blah, 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 and the Hebrew word, and the way that, you know, Craig Rossell is just like, 47,000 people baptized this year, you know, I'm like, that's what it means to follow Jesus and be a spiritual leader, not this. But it, honestly, I woke up completely insecure, completely feeling miserable, driving up coach line from Meadows down here, and the Lord just kind of was like, hey, dude, I love you. Like, I know you, and I know you're not the greatest at this and this and that. No, I mean, he knows. What's the point of hiding it, right? I'm like, thought I had you fooled. no. Not even a little bit. He knows, like, hey, I know the areas that you struggle with. I know the areas that you're kind of okay and faking it till you make it. And then I know a few things that, hey, actually you're decent at those things. And, and wow, my glory shines through you more in those areas. He knows. But the point was, he's like, come into my throne room. Come into my throne room. Because I've had the impression sometimes, like like in the throne room of God, I was allowed to peek through the curtain from the side, like side stage you know if it were american idol or something i'm like oh wow there's the throne and and god's distracted with all of his glorious kingdom work but i'm getting a chance to peek and wow it's so great he's like no 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 you don't look from the side i want you to come down the center aisle my full attention is on you my gaze is on you my son my beloved i love you i didn't make a mistake in how i wired you and how i put you together and i accept you and i yes i I work alongside you in the areas that you need to stretch and grow, but I celebrate with you in the, in the beautiful ways that, that you reflect me most easily as well. And I, want, I believe that God wants you to know that today, that he's not looking at you out of the side of his eye, but that he's saying, my gaze is on you. I love you. My favor is towards you. See yourself the way I see you. And here's the thing. Until we see ourselves the way he sees us, until we lean into his grace and favor, until we rejoice we can't really help anyone else, because we're empty, we're dry, we're insecure. If I don't know that I'm loved, if I don't know that my father accepts me just with all of my warts and everything, how am I supposed to encourage someone else? There's a pastor up north, I don't think he came up with this saying, but he said, the best gift you as, this was a quote for pastors, the best best gift you can give your church is a healthy you, right, talking about resting and just being refreshed, but I believe that's for all of us. The best gift you can give your husband or wife your friend, your employee, your employer, your colleague at work, your friend at the gym. The best gift you can give them is seeing yourself the way God sees you. Because when I come into God's presence, encounter him, and, and lean into his favor, when I let his love be enough for me, then I've got something that I can help lift them up and serve them as well. Amen? Let's let his, he's asking, guys. He's asking, is my love good enough for you? Yes, it's great when everybody's saying you're awesome. But what about when I lead you through a place where you're not hearing that as much from others, and He's still saying, "I love you, I love you, I'm proud of you." Is that good enough for, for this season? Can that be enough to lean on? And I believe God's waiting for us to say, "Yes, Lord, Your favor is enough for me." Yes, Lord, if You say I'm enough, if You say I'm worthy, if You say I'm loved, as much as I crave, you know, we all love the pats on the back and the woo hoo. Sorry, no, pastors don't. We're far too holy to need human affirmation. But other people, in other churches, church that Pastor Mark was a part of, other churches like that. No, but it's true. We all crave, right, that affirmation, that validation. And God takes us through dry seasons where his word can be enough if we let it. And it's powerful. Our our prayers are also changed, right? So he said, oh, let our gentleness be, I lost my countdown, sorry, if that could, Go back over there. Um, what happens when we lean into him, lean into his favor, let his word be enough for our identity, it changes how we view others, and it says, let your gentleness be evident to all. You can study that out. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on that, but that gentleness means a pursuit of justice in a way that relaxes stiff rules in the interest of the bigger picture. So when we see ourselves the way God sees us and we know we're loved, we can then relax and be more flexible in the way that we Love others around us and even in the way we pursue justice because we see it through the eyes of the one who's on the throne, who loves us and who loves them. So I encourage you, it's a ripple effect of gentleness, is what others see as we lean into God. What about this? Then it affects and it transforms the way we pray. Because he says, Hey, do not be anxious about anything. Guess what I had in Orange County when we were on vacation three weeks ago? My first panic attack. <laughs> Woo! I'm in the club. I literally, my wife has had them, other people have had them, and I'm like, they're so unspiritual. Don't you know that God loves you? Don't you know? He's? Why are you being anxious? And all of a sudden, I went in the pool, got water in my ear, mixed with the wax, and all of a sudden, I couldn't hear. And I was like, just driving me nuts. And I went to sleep, and I woke up at 2 in the morning, and it was like pressure on my eardrum, and I couldn't hear anything. And I don't know what happened, but something snapped, and I was like... Oh, oh, and I got out of bed, and I was pacing, and my heart was beating, and I literally, I'm not even kidding you, went through this whole panic attack where I knew, like, I can go to the hospital tomorrow and pay $500, and they'll deal with it. Or, I mean, I knew it wasn't, like, life-threatening, but I'm not kidding. In that moment, I couldn't get myself from, from what my heart and my body and my breathing was doing. Even I knew, like, God, you're in control. You love me. You're the healer. And even there's a hospital literally across the street from where we were staying. Like, you know, and there's eardrops at, you know, Ralph's, like, that I can, like, so I knew. But it, something broke. Like, I don't know how to explain it. It was super weird. Never had one before. So it gave me way more compassion because I was literally praying and, like, okay, how, am I, how can I slow my breathing? And how can I, like, just be an adult? I'm almost 50. This is whatever. What am I doing? But it, something was crazy. You know, and and what happens? It says, hey, even in those moments, God understands. Even in those moments, he's saying, you know what? If you lean into my love and my favor, it'll change the way you pray. Because now it's like, okay, Lord, even in my anxiousness, I know you love me. I know you're for me. Therefore, I can bring my prayers and my petitions and my needs to you and mix in some thanksgiving. Thank you, Lord. Because now I'm not praying like, I hope you're listening. I hope, I know I'm not worthy, but now you're saying, Lord, I know you love me, I know you're for me. That was the rejoice in the Lord always part. And not once, but twice. Lean into my favor, lean into my grace. So I'm like, okay, Lord, I'm a mess. But I'm leaning into you, and that changes the way now I begin to pray. Thank you, Lord, that in my mess, you're for me. Thank you, Lord. It's not if you're gonna help me, but it's how you're gonna help me, because you're for me. I wanna encourage you. Let that transform even the way that we pray. And then that leads us to the third secret Uh, that we have that I believe this passage shows, and that is found in those following verses, which really flow naturally from the transforming of our mind. uh, It says this in verses 8 and 9. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, then listen to this, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice. I think it's telling us what is the natural progression when we lean into God's favor, when we, first of all, allow ourselves to be part of his family, right, together, loved, encouraged, called out, all of it. And then we, we see ourselves, we encounter him in his sanctuary. We slow down enough to allow his love to be enough for us and to wash us of all the junk to transform our prayers. Then he says this. I think he says there's a part that we can play. There's a choice that we can make of what's going to go on in here, what we're going to allow to be brewing in here, right? This is the incubator. He's given us, there was an interview with T.D. Jakes, uh, one of my favorite all-time preachers is Stephen Furtick, who's one of his protégés. And they were talking about, somehow they got on the idea of, of thoughts that become words. And he said, this is the last place where there's true privacy. Because I don't know about you, but if I say something in my house, half the time, Alexa's like, hey, what was that? You want to read the New Testament? You know? <laughs> Who are we praying for? You know, Siri's like, wait, what? <laughs> I'm like, hey, shh. I mean, literally anything that you say, anything you post, anything, whatever, is instantly out there, it's global, whatever. This is one of the last sanctuaries, right? Where we kind of can control, nobody can tell us what to think about, how to think, how to process. And this is giving us some really specific instruction on, on what we allow in here, what choice we make as to what begins to ruminate and brew up in here in this incubator. And the, the word think about where it says think about these things after it's given us that list of what is pure and lovely and excellent and praiseworthy is an action verb that means to compute, to reckon, to come to a bottom line, to reason to a logical conclusion. And it actually comes from the word logos, which means word So where you've heard, John 1, verse 1, it says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Jesus is the expression of what's going on in the mind of God. Someone has said, Jesus is what God thinks about when he thinks of man, and is what man thinks about when he thinks of God. Jesus is the expression, the tangible reality of all of the love, all of the grace, all of the redemption, all of the favor, the mercy, the compassion that was in the heart of the Father. Jesus, if you ever want to know what's in God's mind, what's in God's heart, look at Jesus. He is the logos. He is the word. He's the expression. But here, it's the verb that flows from that. It's saying there's a calculation. There's a, there's a math. Can I say that? I don't. There's like this new math, right? I don't know, it's probably not new anymore. That's how old I am, is that the new math is actually like old. They've probably moved on now to a whole nother math. But anyway, I'm not even caught up with the, you know, <laughs> the new math from 20 years ago, where it's like the addition is different and all that kind of stuff. And I'm like, I don't know. George W. Bush had fuzzy math. I don't know. Math is important in our lives, right? But here I think it's God is telling us his math. He's saying, I'm giving you the answer. Now it's up to you to use this incubator to Figure out how it comes together. The answer is, I'm for you. The answer is, I love you. The answer is, did you hear it in the prayer? Prayer said, the Lord is near, right? Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. He's saying, that's the answer you gotta get to. Use this now to go, okay, but I'm experiencing this, but my circumstance is that, but I lost my job, but I lost a loved one but my marriage is in distress, but, 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 that's okay, he's not saying deny those things, he's not saying live in a fantasy world, he's saying right in the reality of where you are and where I am, let's use this to calculate, to, to uh, what did it say there, uh, to compute, to reckon, to come to the bottom line, Lord, it's not if you love me, it's not if you're for me, that's not in question, it's just how, how do you want in what I'm walking through, to show me your faithfulness, to show me your love. And if we're willing, how do we do that? By letting that germinate in us, his love, his compassion, his faithfulness, his, his praiseworthiness. I believe we'll be transformed if we make that choice. There was a woman in the Bible who, uh, who did that. And she was a woman who had a terrible medical problem. I believe it was 12 years She had uh, bleeding, hemorrhaging that just would not stop. She spent all of her money on doctors. And it says that she said to herself, or she thought in her heart, you can look, there's different versions for this verse. But she thought to herself, if I only touch the hem of this rabbi's garment, who's in town, I will be healed. Where did it begin? Right here. What was she allowing to brew in her mind. It was thoughts of God's love. It was thoughts of the compassion of Jesus. It was thoughts of his mercy towards her. And she said to herself, what did she do? Then she acted on that, right? And I believe God is issuing the same invitation, the same challenge to us. He's saying, if you truly are part of my family and understand how I see you, if you truly are willing to lean into my favor and mercy, see yourself through my eyes, then let it play out to this place where literally your thoughts are calculating and, and processing. Okay, I don't, it doesn't make sense right now because it's not all roses and cakewalks, but Lord, in the midst of my reality, I know you're with me. I know you're near me. I know you're for me. And it's just a matter, you're going to show me. It's going to, that math is going to come together in some way. And guess what? While I'm working on it, I'm going to be thinking about what is excellent, what is praiseworthy. And, and if there's one answer we could give to that, I mean, I know it's like Sunday school, right? Like, hey, What's fuzzy, has a bushy tail, eats nuts, and jumps from tree to tree? And they were like, I know it. <laughs> I know it awfully sounds like a squirrel, but the answer is Jesus. Yay! You know. <laughs> yeah. Pastors are always looking for the Jesus answer. <laughs> the, <laughs> what's, oh, sorry, the song. Oh, yes, save the best for last. Anyway, the answer, let me, I'll get back to that. What do we think about? The one who is ultimately praiseworthy, lovely, pure is Jesus, right? I think that, I think we can all agree that really is the answer. At least let's start there and then see how he wants to allow that to flow out. The song for this particular one is, are you guys ready? Where does my heart beat now? Okay. Oh, stop acting like you've never heard that. That's what, why, why? Why is it with Celine that nobody wants to admit that she has a beautiful voice? Anybody? I think she's amazing. Okay, I grew up as a missionary kid. I didn't have the discipleship in my younger years to know you shouldn't like Celine. She's not cool. You only have to like Bon Jovi and, you know, ZZ Top and certain brands. So I grew up like, that's an incredible voice. And guess who else has an incredible voice? I'm just gonna use this pulpit that the Lord has given me to say Michael Bolton has a great voice, guys. So, Actually, if I could have had an alternate title for Stand By Me, it would be, how am I supposed to live without you? Okay, I'm just wanting to use the authority God has given me to set things straight because there's been some heresy in the body of Christ. (sighs) Okay, now that that's settled, (laughs) I'm going to close with this. And if the worship team wants to come and those who, we're going to have an opportunity to experience something as family. We've been talking about God's invitation to truly be family together, to be part of those connected relationships that allow us to stand in the midst of the waves and the storms. One of the things that families do is celebrate new birth, celebrate with each other, and we can do that spiritually, celebrating decisions to follow Jesus and to truly walk in, in, in relationship with Jesus. And we've got several people this morning that are choosing to follow in the step of water baptism. And so what an incredible, incredible thing. I'm gonna invite you, if you're uh, being baptized, to go ahead and excuse yourself and get prepared uh, to, to be a part of that. And while they're doing that, I just wanna end with, with this passage. In Luke 6:45. it says these words. A good person produces good things from the treasury of a good heart, but an evil person produces evil things from the treasury of an evil heart. What you say flows from what is your heart. What is in your heart? I believe God's saying, if we let his thoughts fill our mind and allow our thinking to who he is and to his truth, it's going to change the way we pray. It's going to change the way we talk. It's going to change the way we see ourselves. It's going to change the way we see each other. It's going to change the way we give. We're going to learn about that next week. It's going to change everything about us. We're going to walk in the overflow. Of his love so I want to encourage you uh, with this as uh, we prepare to experience and enter into worship and celebration uh, as family know this God ends with a promise he says he had said earlier in this passage if we bring our th- uh, prayers and petitions to him with Thanksgiving the peace of God will guard our hearts right you guys heard that the peace of God will guard our hearts at the very end of this section he flips it around and says, you know what? I can do one better than that. The God of peace will be with you. When we're saying yes to him, we don't just get the peace of God. <laughs> we get the God of peace. And if, 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 if you've experienced what I have, you know when we've got him, we've got everything. He brings all the peace. He brings the courage. He brings the healing. He brings the comfort. He brings it all. So let's celebrate him together. Let's let down the barriers that keep us from connecting his family. Let's take those steps of obedience. Let's press into him and see what he's going to do in our hearts.